We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Do you like teenage girls? When you say teenage, how are we talking? Girls who are teenagers. 19? 19 and younger. I have some 19-year-old friends, but I don't like anybody illegal, if that's what we're talking about, underage. Uh-huh. Some people think that you like underage girls. What do you say to them? Well, those people, those people that don't know Robert, they don't know me. Listen to the facts and, and, get, in, and, and, and get into what you think and make your own opinions. If you're going to have an opinion about me, have your opinion about what you may think about me. The, you know, what you definitely don't do is go by somebody that was fired and they're mad and pissed off at me because they were fired. Before you guys listen to another episode of The Corner Podcast, make sure you guys show your support for the show by clicking on patreon.com slash The Corner Podcast and showing support for both Andreas and myself. We're trying to bring you guys exclusive content for the new year. That means exclusive shows, guest interviews, fan appreciation episodes, a little bit of everything on a weekly basis. And the way you get that is by signing up on patreon.com slash the corner podcast. There's different tiers, whether you guys want to donate $5, $10, or $15 a month, you guys get exclusive content and access to us. Yes, both Andres and I every single week. And this way we can bring you guys the stuff that you want, such as merch, live shows, and even bigger episodes of The Corner Podcast in 2019. Thank you guys for your support. Now let's get into this week's show. We're here. I wish I could give this feeling. I wish I could give this feeling. What up, everybody? Another week, another episode of the Corner Podcast. You know who it is, Kel Dansby here with the old man Andreas Hale in the building. 
Once again, thank you guys for subscribing to our Patreon. You guys hear it before every show. We appreciate it. Tons of content going up there for you guys. Uh, right after you hear this show, we'll have a list up there that we want you guys to chime in on. We'll talk about that next week after we get you guys' opinion on that. And, of course, every Monday, special Patreon-only episode. Last week's was hilarious. Amish ninjas. And you never know what's going to happen this week. So uh, we appreciate you guys subscribing to that. Dre, but we're here now. And that's one big thing, right? One big thing popping off is Patreon for the Corner Podcast. We're getting the movement moving. The Corner Club is showing love to us. But there's better stuff to come because I feel like we're going to have a really, really big spring for our show. Yeah. So you can kind of tell them about it and I'll fill in the blanks. So uh, announcement we'll talk about in our second segment. But AEW started up their company, All Elite Wrestling. And they're bringing Double or Nothing, their next pay-per-view, the sequel to All In, pretty much, to Las Vegas, Memorial Day weekend. So in May, with that, comes along Starcat, Starcade, excuse me. And, Starcast. Uh, oh, excuse me. Yeah, Starcade is the pay-per-view. Um, yes. Comes along Starcast. And, man, everyone was going nuts when it uh, returned. When was it? September? Yeah. They just did one. <clears throat> so the follow-up to that is going to be huge. Um, great content there, great interviews, shows, kind of like a live format. And we're pushing to have the Corner Podcast, since we're bringing it to our city, a part of this StarCast. So it's going to be huge. We need you guys to go out there and uh, hit up Twitter, Instagram, you know, hit up the StarCast uh, main pages and let them know that you want to see the Corner Podcast on there. Because it's not just us pushing it from this end. Again, this is all of our show. So you guys tell them as well. Push that narrative out there. Every week you guys are going to see me hit them up. Like, hey, man, it's time to make it happen. Because, yeah, it, it's a great platform. But we also think we bring something different to that platform. And it's important for all of our voices to be heard. So, yeah, I'll fill in the blanks. One, uh, when I told you guys that I knew something about this uh, AEW thing. That was it. I knew that StarCast and Double or Nothing was going to be in Vegas for Memorial Day weekend back in December. Well, late December. Um, a couple weeks before Wrestle Kingdom. So that was the thing that I knew. So I was keenly aware of what was going to happen. The only thing that was up for debate was the location, whether it would be T-Mobile, Mandalay Bay, or the MGM. And that was due to the Golden Knights playoffs. Um, just trying to figure out where's the best place to have StarCast. So... Yeah. That's one. So I was ahead of the curve on that. Couldn't tell you guys. Sorry. Can't give up all my sources all the time, but I knew it. <laughs> Two, yes. If anybody had attended or watched StarCast last year, the one thing that you will notice is that it lacked melanin. There were no people of color who had podcasts at StarCast. We're looking to change that. And it's very important because pro wrestling fans are not old hick white guys. There are a lot of black folks, Mexicans, uh, Puerto Ricans, Dominicans. Uh, people of color love pro wrestling, and I think it's very important for us to have a presence there. It wasn't there last year. I don't, you know, some people claim that they did it on purpose and they didn't really pay attention. To, you know, even though Cheap Heat is a big podcast, I'm kind of surprised they weren't invited. Um, Stack Guy Greg, big black dude, lawyer from New York, big wrestling fan. <laughs> he wasn't there. Hot um, takes. Was, Talk about hot takes. Greg got some takes, boy. Greg, I love Greg, but he's a WWE mark, so it is what it is. Uh, but the, the fact of the matter is, is that there was no melanin involved. And this year we want to make sure that we are not only involved, but representing at StarCast. So 
Um, if you need somebody hit up, the man who runs StarCast is Conrad Thompson. Conrad is somebody that I'll actually be talking to in the, in the coming weeks for an interview on Sporting News because he said before that he wasn't bringing StarCast back, but he's bringing StarCast back. Obviously, Conrad has something to wrestle with, with Bruce Pritchard. He's got 83 weeks of Eric Bischoff. He's got whatever the other show is called with Tony Schiavone that I don't listen to um, because I, get, I don't have time. But, uh, but he's the one who's overseeing this, and I'm sure that you know if you guys speak, I think he's a fair guy. We can find our way in. Um, and yes, what, what Kale said is true. If, if we bring a show to StarCast, it'll be something that you guys won't forget because it'll be a live show. It will be, it'll touch on a very important topic that's important to us in the wonderful world of pro wrestling. Um, and obviously we'll have some guests. It won't just be the reverse Rat Pack crew. There will be some other guests that we're looking to bring in. Um, and, you know, this is our city, man. So, yes, get you, make your voices heard. We'll give details as it comes along. And as I find out things, um, after talking to Conrad and putting it out there, I'll let you guys know. We'd love to have you there. Um, but one way or another, even if the unthinkable happens and we're not involved with StarCast, we're going to be doing something that weekend. Fully expect that. Whether it's a meet and greet at some bar, whether it's gonna, we might do that anyway, though, right, Kel? Yeah, yeah. I feel like you know, us drinking with the people have to happen. Yeah. So it doesn't take much for us to go out and get drinks. So that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. So we, we, there's gonna be something that's gonna be done. It's a major weekend, Memorial Day. You can start planning now. Um, the if you need tips on where to stay, you can contact either myself or Kel on social media. I'll try to respond if I can. Um, I know Kel will definitely respond if he can to give you guys some information. There's some cheap hotels, some good deals. You don't have to stay at the most expensive hotel on the Strip. But I would advise you to book your stuff now because Memorial Day is not only a big weekend for pro wrestling. It's just a big weekend in Vegas when it comes to events, parties, your favorite rappers, not your not-so-favorite rappers. There's residencies <laughs> out here. There's so much stuff going on. The pools get started jumping off. So it's a lot of ratchetness that gets involved. All pro wrestling fans aren't geeks. We like to do other things. So there's a lot going on. Go ahead and get that stuff booked now. Make your voices heard. We'll talk about it more as the weeks come. Yeah, man. So that that's pretty much you know what we're going for now that's our goal for the next four months we're going to work our way towards that um with that comes a bunch of other cool shit so merch is now top priority i've been talking about it forever the merch is on the way so um we're gonna have that out here like dre said we're gonna try to do other stuff that week as well um maybe a normal show outside of starcast because starcast would be very uh themed as you guys will find out more about as we go forward if we get that opportunity but uh we'll still do our normal show and we'll find a spot out here to do it from i have a couple locations in mind so we can have another you know live show so plenty of the corner podcast last week that week plus wrestling so how can you beat that plus the ratchetness which if you haven't been here me and dre are masters at our urban loitering yes is what we call it and we just sit and we watch all the ratchetness Best place is the MGM Grand Lobby. So I'm so hyped that this is at the MGM Grand. It brings us back to those days of Mayweather fights, straight. The good Mayweather yeah. fights. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch like the super pro wrestling is still real to me damn it fans and then like the super hood like I'm just trying to go to a pool and get wasted. Like it's going to be so that dynamic is going to be so combustible, and I'm going to be a part of it. I'm going to do the urban loitering. It's going to be a big week. It's going to be a very big week. I'm excited because, obviously, as you guys know, I have an unhealthy obsession with pro wrestling that comes along with everything else that I've done in my career. So I look forward to seeing all of you down there. So 
back to the show. Yes. Uh, real quick, we're going to get into, of course, the R. Kelly stuff because that's still what's on everyone's mind. Um, we talked about that a little bit on the Patreon episode this week, too, with Danny Acosta and Ryan McKinnell. So, you guys, make sure you check that out. But for those who are, haven't signed up yet, we'll talk a little bit about it now uh, as well. But one thing I want that weekend, Dre, now that we're mixing the ratchetness and the wrestling together, I need to see someone dressed up cosplay style as Ratchet, ratchet Sasha Banks. I need That'd this. I need this okay. for the culture. Um, maybe we get walked out on stage by Ratchet Sasha Banks. We do the boss dance. Uh, so, something dope. Mind you, I said it. I'm putting this into the, into the world if it happens. Um, but no, the first conversation for this show in this episode is the R. Kelly documentary. Uh, we touched on it on Monday. You guys can hear that. But now it, it's kind of even gotten bigger, it, which is weird because I feel like stuff goes here today, gone tomorrow on Twitter, right? And on social media and Facebook, which has just been overrun with this R. Kelly shit. Um, and now it looks like R. Kelly may be facing more charges. But even then, like, it's just still in the conscious of charges. Or not, I feel like there's a push and pull between people online. There, there is no gray area of this. And people are really having all-out arguments about this documentary and about what R. Kelly means to the community and not canceling R. Kelly. Dre, are you seeing this? Like, are, are you seeing these people caping for R. Kelly? Yeah, I'm losing friends over this, man. Like, for real, for real. Like, I'm not even lying. Like, there's people that I've known for years who have been saying wild and reckless things about R. Kelly. And I think there's two two dominated conversations that are very interesting to me. One is that the uh, it's not true, right, that these women are lying. And that, I think that's a whole lot of liars. That's, that's my thing. When there's smoke, there's fire. And I think it's one of those things, like, do I think that every woman is telling the truth? No, I do not. But do I think that enough of them are telling the truth for this to be an issue? Yes, I do. I'm not, I'm not calling anybody a liar because I do think some people jump on the bandwagon when accusations start flying. I've seen this happen before. Mm-hmm. But in the R. Kelly situation, like, this is ridiculous. And as much as, it's, as, as there's been, which leads me to number two, people ask, like, well, why now? Why is there a documentary now? We knew this. Stop lying. You didn't know this. Because what you did know is that R. Kelly was married to Aaliyah. If you are born in like nine in the mid 90s you absolutely have no idea what was going on you heard you may have heard about the p tape which was made a joke by the boondocks was made a joke by dave Chappelle, but you weren't quite familiar of the timeline of how these things have happened and i think what dream hampton did is somebody i went on a speaking tour with and who's talked to me about r kelly like this was like five years ago about possibly doing something like this somebody says she was a bitter woman no that's not dream dream is been she's been a she's not a writer she's like she's she's like a documentary of the culture and she always wants to help black women be heard and i think the thing is is that she wanted to create this visual timeline where you see that this has been going on for 25 years and is still continuing today it's not just in isolation because i think i think we can all agree that the Aaliyah situation if it was that particular situation and nothing else happened after that a lot of us would have just been like, all right, fine, whatever. We would have moved on. Like, Woody Allen, yeah, the, the molesting and married his stepdaughter. It happened, but if, that, if he's still married to her, cool. But what happened is 
Dar- I mean, and for the record, I think the Aaliyah thing is gross. She was like 12. Ridiculous. I still think it's ridiculously like just outlandish, but people would have gotten over it. I understand. Yeah. They would have said love prevails. It was true love or something. Right. That's what you could have said in that situation. You could have said, yuck, gross, but I guess they're in love and they're still here today. That didn't happen. What happened was it was a predator that continued to show and adapt his predatory behavior over the years. It wasn't one situation. It wasn't Sparkle's uh, niece. And that was it. That happened, you know, like eight years after that. It was a continued pattern of behavior. And, and we saw it play out in this documentary. And it's like, come on, guys. Like, what are you defending at this point? Like, for, for the people who are defending R. Kelly, I've seen people say, well, Prince married Mayate. Okay, well, Mayate, when he married her, she was 19. She was a belly dancer at 16. And they didn't have sex, according to Mayate, in her own book until she was 19, 20, when she got pregnant and lost the baby. Not the same situation. And you can't sit there and compare, a, a, you know, a Prince marrying Mayate or... The whole Michael Jackson accusation thing was whichever side of the fence you fall on with that. You can't compare it to R. Kelly. And the reason why is because there's a level of abuse that comes with R. Kelly that we could, that people keep turning a blind eye to. There was like the sex thing, the sex thing. It's not just the sex thing. It is the abuse. These women have been sexually abused, domestically abused, and mentally abused by R. Kelly. This, there's, it's much deeper than just having sex with underage girls. Multiple is, women. like Yes. To the point where he's just arrogant with it but he's just throwing it in people's faces like he's above the law and and the thing is is we've made him above the law there's a reason why he continues to to do this so it's it's disgusting um i'm glad the documentary was made you know there's people that are ardently against it or there's people that won't watch because they feel like they know everything and trust me you don't you don't know everything because there were so many things that i saw i was like i didn't know that yo they're hanging out in front of the high school every day and people knew that no i had no i was like yo so he's like 21 and I've seen, and we were in high school, we've seen guys who graduated and come back and they scooping up a girl. And I always thought that shit was weird. I was never a fan of freshmen dating seniors. Like girls used to do that. I'd be like, yo, you're whack. You just need that attention. Like I was never attracted to that. I, I never really liked that. Like, okay, go be with your older men. Like whatever. Like that shit's whack to me. And guys out of school coming back and college guys coming back and getting high school girls like, yo, what are you doing? You can't get a college girl? Like, that's always whacked me. This was a superstar in his 20s doing this to normalize girls. Like, what is wrong with you, my man? Yeah, and it's, it's, it's like it's the worst kept secret because people from Chicago that I've been friends with who have been in the industry and people that I, I know very well have told me these stories. And these are not people that all know each other. I've heard stories from different people talking about R. Kelly hanging out at high schools. Different age groups from women in their 30s to men in their like 20s from Chicago have told me about R. Kelly hanging out at high schools. Like it's, it's what he does. So it's like to be in defense of all this and, and try to keep it in isolation and be like the sex thing or, you know, the one girl's parents, they're lying. He kidnapped. It's not one thing. It's a bunch of things. And what R. Kelly has managed to do was adapt his behavior so he couldn't get caught. Like after he got off because Sparkle's niece said it wasn't her, which is obviously a payoff attempt by R. Kelly and his, and his crew. Like we have people in R. Kelly's camp telling himself, like, it's one thing to for the guys from the guy from Bloody Elbow who just went to jail for having child pornography on his computer. We've all heard about this. Yeah. He had child pornography. R. Kelly was making child pornography. It is like for you to defend that 
it's beyond me. Like, I don't understand what you're defending here. And I'm losing friends over there because I have a daughter. And I look at her and I have a niece who is about to be nine. And I'm thinking in three years, you could be a target for R. Kelly. And then it's, it's the whole thing that people say, well, she shouldn't have gotten in the car. Or she shouldn't have did this. We're talking about little girls here who are starstruck. Yeah. Like they, they, they don't have not all young women have the ability to think for themselves around the age of 17 and 16. Yeah, you kind of you should know better. Right. Like when you reach 17, 16, you should you should you should know better. I've seen 16, 17 year olds stand over high school quarterbacks like, oh, my God, this is R. Kelly. Yeah, but, but like, I'm, what I'm saying yeah, is, like, like I, I, I get it. Like, you could, you could say that, but what you can't say, and what you can't give a pass to, is R. Kelly doing what he did to those young girls. Hell no, 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 no. Like, that's that's where I draw the line. He was like, shooting say, fish in a barrel. He knew exactly yeah. what he was doing. It's like you can say you can try to victim blame all you want, but when do you blame the perpetrator for taking on the act? Like, he peed in that on that girl. The girl, whatever she did, didn't matter. Like, what, whoever she was, if she said, please pee on me, R. Kelly didn't have to do that. He did it. Yeah, he know better. People, yeah, when do people take accountability? That's the one thing that R. Kelly's never done is take accountability for his actions. And then people also say, why do these girls, why, they, why are these women coming out now? Well, I, I counter that with this. Why did R. Kelly... 10, 15, 20 years later, go on Tavis Smiley and talk about him being molested. There's a reason why people wait so long to say it, because it was acceptable once upon a time where you were scared to snitch. Yeah. There is a fear to do that. R. Kelly has done the same thing. He waited to get on Tavis Smiley and was like, I was molested. He, then you can say, well, why didn't he say it when he was 13? There's a reason why we don't do that. We victim blame and we victim shame. So fuck R. Kelly and fuck anybody that defends him. And that's all I can say about. <laughs> no, yeah, no, fuck it. We gotta cancel R. Kelly all, all the way. Um, and and the defenses are just ridiculous. I mean, I've seen Hugh Hefner likes young girls, and blah blah blah. Like, I'm not, I'm not here to talk about anybody else. There's a lot Stop of weird, like sick pervs and, and weird people. Yeah, like deflection is the number one tactic online, and people are just all in on it. They don't want to believe that this man is that bad. Some stuff they can come to grips with. Everything else, oh no, that's a lie. Or oh, this person does it too. Like it, it's it's ridiculous. And this is why it takes so long for people to speak up. It's because people it, like that. And what are you hanging on to? Is my question. A couple like, a couple you know, songs seems like you like, ready. Cre- <laughs> and a bunch of creepy songs. Creepy like, songs. Now, now that you know that these songs like. On Vibe, R. Kelly says Aaliyah's got that vibe. Aaliyah was 12 years old when Vibe came out. Please stop. What are you hanging on to? Like, once you know that you're watching something, like, you, like let's just say you're watching some porn, right? And it's like, oh, man, she's getting it in. Then you find out she's 12. You don't really watch that porn the same anymore, right? Like, you're disgusted. So why aren't you disgusted that these songs are being made about little girls? Yeah. It's easy to let go to R. Kelly's music because it's not that good. How about that? Uh, like I haven't listened to, like like I, I've, I said before. Like I think after like TP two or whatever the album after it was, that had the song Zoo Sex. I was done with R. Kelly. <laughs> as soon as I heard about the art accusations, I was done. I was like, he's a weirdo. He's a creep. He makes whack music. I'm good. I don't need to listen to it. I'm not supporting this guy anymore. Why y'all still hanging on to R. Kelly? It's ridiculous. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah. this is this is something where it opens and. The best thing about this documentary, in my eyes, regardless of who's telling truth, who's lying, whatever it may be, is that it brings the narrative to another generation. So even me, I was of age. I, I saw, I mean, there was Napster, there was other shit. Like, everyone saw the peeing on the girl video. 
But even then, you're not of an age to really let that sink in. Like now I can like watch the entire documentary and then now even different than 15 years ago when I watched it, 20 years ago when I watched it, I have a daughter. I have two daughters. So my brain and my, my thinking and how I grasp the whole situation changes. So I go from three weeks ago, not even really thinking about R. Kelly that much and, and all those things um, for the past you know couple of years because time just puts space in between it. So not thinking about it and, and putting him as my king of R&B on our show three weeks ago to now watching this shit be like, you know what? Now fuck R. Kelly. He ain't on none of my list. He ain't on no list. Like all that shit don't even exist. Because it refreshes what he did. You, you don't let these guys just bury it and get away. And that's what I enjoyed about this documentary. It's like, listen, he beat the case. He beat the charges. But like you said, where there's smoke, there's fire. And all we're doing is showing you the smoke. Yeah, one last thing. Um, people was like, well, he got off. You know who else got off? George Zimmerman. You going to let your teenage kid hang out with him? <laughs> yeah, don't, don't judge a lot of shit by the, the legal system. Um, yeah, no, so, so that was crazy. Do you think that this documentary opens the door for other documentaries? You touched on, uh, the MJ accusations and I think there's an MJ doc going to Sun Sundance, which you always go there to. Is. So I'm sure you'll see it. Um, I'm not going this year. Oh, this, yo, this is your first time missing it in like four years, five years. Yeah. When duty calls, man, I'm a combat sports guy. So I, I'm not able to, I think it's the same weekend as Royal Rumble and uh, TakeOver. So I'll be in Phoenix. Okay. Um, yeah, so it, it, there'll be an MJ doc there. And then, you know, people on Twitter, because again, deflection and just side narratives and stuff popped up. But they're talking about, hey, are we going to get a Chris Stokes documentary? Like surviving Chris Stokes and, you know, the alleged allegations against B2K and maybe IMX and other shit he did. Um, stuff like that. And people are bringing up these names. Do you think we're going to see a flood of these type of series is this going to be the the wave for the next year year and a half no and the reason why is because i you know michael jackson okay i'm curious about the angle because there's you know people like macaulay calkin and there's other kids that were around michael jackson was like no he never did anything so i'm curious yeah. michael jackson's a big enough star r kelly had 25 years so you had more than enough information to make a documentary it all depends on how many people are willing to speak out and i know there's a lot of people that are willing to speak out on certain things but like Chris Stokes, unless you get Raz B talking, then you really don't have a documentary. Like, because he's the one who levied those accusations hard at Chris Stokes. Yeah. So it's like, I said this maybe two years ago, that the one industry that hadn't been hit by Me Too was the music industry. It's coming. I've said it before. This has opened Pandora's box. It is coming. And we're going to find out a lot of things about our, our favorite artists that they did wrong. And I think we all have also have to put those things into context because, you know, Rick James was, you know, handcuffing bitches in the basement. Like, that's the thing <laughs> that he was doing. Like, that's yeah. what he, he was. He was wild and reckless. Like, Cocaine's a hell of a like, drug. There, there was a lot of our favorite artists that were doing things that were inexplicable at the time. And I think some of those things will come out. Um, how we choose to deal with them will be on us. But I don't think there'll be a ton of documentaries, but I fully expect there to be something about the music industry. Yeah, I mean, hip hop, especially like you look back at video vixens like I, I, was, I talked about that on the Patreon episode. I was like, yo, listen, hip hop is about to have get hit by a wave like they created an entire name and career path for young women 
like 17, 18, to be in videos and nothing, getting credit cards slid down their ass as a profession. Like we we saw that Superhead book and was like, oh, this it. No, there's so much of that. Like I, you can't even. All that shit is me too. All of it. Yeah, and, and I think it'll come like, and I, I said the music industry as a whole because R and B, hip hop, I mean rock, it's 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 oh, been yeah. there, and rock, you know, shit. there's gonna be a lot. Of, yeah, it's gonna be a lot coming out. So I think R Kelly is the first step. I don't know how far it'll go, but I do feel like it has opened that box for more people to feel comfortable speaking out on these things because, yeah, the music industry is a dirty place, and I've worked in it for 10 years, and there's going to be, I'm sure there are going to be some stories that come out because, um, we, you know, I've heard a lot. And I've also seen a lot of people that are not really in the music industry try to tell me things that happen in the music, music industry, and I'm like... <laughs> Y'all got to chill out because it's it's just a lot of people say, I know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody. Hearsay. That doesn't mean it happens. Yeah, is the biggest thing. When Especially when you let time pass in situations, everybody was there. Like, in, in New York, that I feel like that's the running joke. You'd be like, yo, remember the one time Biggie was in a Palladium? And it was Pat, and everybody was there. And it's yeah. like, what? But it, the Palladium held like 250, 300 people. Like, no, it's, everybody can't be there. <laughs> like, but that, It's like the... It's the worst game of telephone ever. It's the worst game of telephone. The people play telephone and that information changes so much. So, yeah, there's a lot of people that are going to have things that may or may not be that probably aren't true based on rumors. Um, Like I've heard things. It's it's the reason why I can't speak on it unless I saw it with my own two eyes or if it's by somebody that I really, really trust. I can't address that. But those people probably will. We'll see. Oh, it's going to be interesting when that opens. Oh, it's going to be it's going to be a fun time on this podcast. That's going to be one hell of an opening segment. Um, yeah. So, like I said, we'll we'll leave R. Kelly here. This is the end of it. We don't got to talk. <clears throat> excuse me. We don't got to talk anymore about R. Kelly and his nonsense. Uh, hopefully, he gets what's coming to him. And that's that. Karma Karma's a bitch and it always comes back around. So he thinks he may have ducked something. But we'll see. We'll see what this opens up for him. Uh, in the world of combat sports, though, which we're here to talk about, we have big things popping this week. A lot of pro wrestling to talk about, but we'll hit that after the break. Let's cover UFC and boxing because we have a couple of headlines that came out in the past week that I feel like we really should run down through. Um, Woodley versus Kamara Usman was inked, and Kofi Covington was pissed. The MAGA gimmick didn't work. And I thought it would. Ariel Hawani put out a a poll on Twitter, and seventy five percent of people wanted to see Covington in there, not Usman. And Dana turned his back on his MAGA boy. I never thought I'd see it. Do you think this was the right fight to make? No, I don't. I, and, I, <laughs> and, I, and it okay. like it's 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 very strange. Like I'm. Happy that Colby Covington is getting shelved by a fighter who was an immigrant. I, I'm happy about that. Yeah. I'm happy for Kamara Usman to get this opportunity. I think it's he's he's if he doesn't deserve it, he was one fight away from deserving it. My issue though is Tyron Woodley wants Colby Covington. Yes. And Colby Covington wants Tyron Woodley. And the whole point of putting the interim title on Colby Covington was to have him fight Tyron Woodley. That's my only that's my issue with this. Is that the fight that should have been made, or else why did you put the, the title on Kobe? But the rationale behind this is that Dana is very partial to people who will fight at the drop of a dime. 
And the one person that's proven that he will fight anybody at any time is Kamaru Usman. So I get why it was done, because it caters to Dana's likes. Like, it wasn't a MAGA thing. It wasn't a black-white thing. It was like, he likes to fight. So I'm gonna. He's he likes to fight and he's beating everybody he's, he's been put in front of. So he gets the title shot. But I'm I'm not so much for Woodley versus Usman as the fight and then Kobe. Co- like, what do you do with Kobe Covington? I don't he even sits understand. and waits. I mean, they're talking about Darren Till as an opponent, but why? Why would you? Because they can only make so many people skip you, right? And at this point, two people skipped over him since he's been interim champ and then got stripped. So. It's like he's going to run out, Woodley, that is going to run out of people to face in the top five. You have to be next. Don't risk it by fighting a guy like Darren Till where you could get your lights put out. Well, I think the other thing is, you know, Kobe Covington is not rich. So I feel like he's got to fight sooner or later. That's true. Um, And for my own selfish reasons, I wanted to see Tyron Woodley fight Kobe Covington because I just want to see Tyron murder him. Like, that's my own selfish reasons. I put my journalistic side to to the back and my fandom comes out. And I just want to see Tyron Woodley kick somebody's ass who loves Donald Trump. Like, that's it. But, like, Kobe Covington needs to fight. Kamaru Usman deserves the fight because of what he's done. Um, so in that sense, it's the right fight to make. But I wanted to see Kobe get his lights put out. That's it. That's not even the biggest fight on the card. That's Coleman, which is crazy to think of. Tyron Woodley, I don't It's kind of shitting on Tyron Woodley because he can carry a I mean, card. But I mean, I'm not also I'm not surprised by that. Um, John Jones, quick turnaround, passes his drug test, by the way. So let's let's give him a round of applause for that. Passes yeah. the post fight drug test. Quick turnaround versus Anthony Smith. Um, Anthony Smith is a guy like you just pointed out for Usman. He, he he went and worked his way up. He beat the guys he needed to beat, and then now he's in a deserving position. Even on short notice for John, I, I don't see Anthony Smith having anything for him. No, I agree. And I, like Anthony Smith has had a hell of a run. And I think sometimes you got to give the hot hand the opportunity. And Anthony Smith is the hot hand. Uh, beating Volkan Ozdemir, um, beating Shogun. The way he's beaten people has been impressive. But you're fighting the best fighter who's ever stepped in the octagon. Yeah. <laughs> Love or hate John Jones outside of the cage, who he is inside of it is damn near untouchable um so i don't see you know i see john deploying his wrestling and once the ground pound comes in it's over for anthony smith and but it's still it's the right fight to make give the man who has the hot hand the opportunity obviously daniel cormier still battling hand issues and uh we don't know what's going to happen here but smith is deserving of a light heavyweight title shot and when he loses he won't get another one it'll be over uh, the hot hand will have its run, and you know he gets his all star game appearance, and he gets dunked on by Joel Embiid. So it's like you're out of here. It's probably it's what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, John Jones taking this fight on the quick turnaround tells me they had a different main event planned, and and I think that's the Cormier main event. Something yeah. there just isn't uh, right. Still, I'm guessing. So Cormier and Brock Lesnar probably gets pushed. <sighs> I don't even know. I mean, to New York? Is that the next card after this, April? I mean, um, it's all—it's really dependent on, you know, when Cormier heals, if he's ready to fight past his retirement date, and Brock Lesnar's situation with the WWE, because it's coming up on WrestleMania season. Who knows how Brock's going to be involved with Mania, and who knows how much money Vince is going to throw at him, you know, to be to fight in something where 
to go to a fight where you're probably going to lose versus carrying that intrigue as in the WWE, like the, the fight with Cormier and John Jones is always going to be there for Brock. So maybe he soaks up all this WWE money and makes a decision later. It's yeah, time's not on his side. I mean, but the ball is in his father court. time. Like you, you don't want to go in there and get Molly. Like you, no matter what, he's if you're set anyway. But you can't he's, think that as a fighter. You want to get in there while you're as young and spry as possible. Does he? Do you think Brock re- like? I think Brock saying, really wants to win. Like I, I, think I think the money he would make off the off of being a champion again. Would be astronomical. I, I think he wants to win. See, I think he's like his. If like if he were to come into a UFC situation where he gets a title fight against Cormier and he wins, I think he's very much like the Universal Champion who just disappears. Like I don't think Brock fights to be the champion. I think he fights for the money. And I think to fight Cormier, there's a lot of money. The opportunity to become champion is intriguing, but the opportunity to defend that title, not so much. Well, I, mean, he I don't just think face Brock- John Jones a heavyweight or something. Like he wouldn't face a steep A. Miocic, he's not right. going to fight one of these guys. Yeah, so I think in his situation, you look at it where, all right, Vince is offering me X amount of dollars. Uh, do I feel like doing a UFC fight? How much are you going to pay me, Dana? And like Dana said, he's like, he feels like he got outbid by Vince. Like if he continues to get outbid, we'll see how it happens. I think the fight is going to be there in 2019. I think Brock will be in an octagon in 2019. I just don't know exactly when that is. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. He looks like he's getting in good shape now. Uh, Cormier will have to figure his end out, but it's not a paycheck Cormier necessarily wants to miss either. So that that's a fight that should happen. I thought it was going to happen here. It is not. Um, Two thirty-five though. Outside of even that, seems loaded, top to bottom. I mean, we have Cody Garbrandt versus Pedro Munoz on this card. Askren versus Lawler, the debut of Ben Askren. Um, which may just be a lay and pray fest, but Ben Askren doesn't care. And, no. and we can see if he can just, you know, maul Robbie Lawler for three rounds. Um, Holly Holm returning again against the undefeated Aspen Ladd, which is a good fight. Holly Holm honestly probably has the hardest road in the in women's MMA the past two or three years. Oh, I mean, yeah, they put her like in there her, anybody. Yeah, damn near rougher than Nunez. Like... She she's had her test, so um, that's gonna be a good fight. Zabit is on this card versus Jeremy Stevens, big test for him. Um, Tisha Torres versus Zhang, who I don't know much about, but no. I hear that's gonna be a good fight. Mickey Gall, the defeater and conqueror of CM Punk against Diego Sanchez, who I swear they just want to die in the octagon. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, this good, right good now card. this is a loaded card. It's, it's a loaded, and we'll see who gets hurt. Thomas uh, Almeida is on this card versus Marlon Vera. Yeah, he'll probably be on the prelims. He'll probably be on the fight pass prelims. And once upon a time, he was close to getting a title shot when he fought Cody Garbrandt and went and got murdered. Yeah, he only got three losses still, though. That's, that's crazy. OSP versus Serkinov. OSP probably gets murdered. This is one hell of a card top to bottom, so that's, that's going to be fun. Um, and we get to watch it. So hopefully, hopefully, you know, hopefully John doesn't, you know, pop. In the yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> let me let me not speak in definites when it comes to John Jones. Um, and the boxing tip, kind of in the MMA tip, rumors, Conor McGregor, Paulie Malignaggi, they've since been kind of quieted and shut down. But this was the, the wave yesterday on Twitter. Is this a fight you even want to see? Do you want to see Conor box again? No, I don't. 
like before I did. Then he got, you know, ran over um, by Nurmagomedov. And, like, I think, you know, you need to be in an MMA fight, dude. Like, you don't need to box Poli Malinaji. Like, it's not even entertaining. Before it was, I was curious because I, I wondered if, you know, Pauly could beat Connor and then Connor could kind of bide his time to get back into the UFC. But I think now it's like you just got, you know, choked out again. You need to either fight Nate Diaz, fight GSP, or fight Cowboy. Fight somebody in an octagon. You only fight you GSP if there's a 165 pound title there. Mm. Which I mean, then it becomes it's, an interesting fight. I mean, it's an interesting fight if they fight a lightweight. GSP's talked about you know cutting down a lightweight. So I think one way or another, like that, like Connor's future should be in the octagon. It should not be playing around in somebody's boxing ring. Yeah, it, obvi- it obviously took a little something away from him in that yeah. last fight. Um, he should be concentrating. The other thing, Marcos Maidana popped up oh, out of nowhere. No, Chubby no. Maidana said he's coming back, Dre. He looks like a cruiserweight, but he said he's going to lose that weight. It ain't nothing he to a boss. He's playing games, man. Marcos Maidana is still spending money from the first Floyd Mayweather fight. Not the <laughs> second one. We're talking about the first Floyd Mayweather fight. In Argentina, pff, I mean, it's still a king. There's no reason for Marcos Maidana to come back to boxing. He's huge. He's he. I mean, I don't know what it is, man. Guys like Ricky Hatton um, and Marcos Maidana, that you know, they fought at like 140, and then they, you know, they become like 250. It's crazy how much weight they gain. It's it's the first time, wonder, like, I, probably the first time since they were 13 that they get to eat, like really eat without worrying man, about it, and they just overindulge. Guys, <laughs> yeah, these guys are huge, so I can't fathom them wanting to. You know, a guy like Rick, Ricky Hatton or a guy like Marcus Maidana or any of those small guys saying, you know what, I've been eating well for like six years. I'm going to go cut weight and box again. I don't think, like when you have as much money as Maidana has, I don't think you want to fight. And who the hell are you going to fight? That's a good question. I feel like they'll put him in there against someone. And is it going to sell? Yeah, Probably not. Broner rematch maybe? No, nah, man. I mean, they they both must be fat for that fight. That would be a straight-up light heavyweight fight. <laughs> Listen, man, that's that's how it goes. You never know where Broner. Broner's going to be a big dude when he stops boxing because he has yeah. no self-control. None at all. I mean, you look at him before fights. He's got that little um, that little six-pack gut yeah. popping off. Um, but like, yeah, the, like the prison body where you somehow just get like a really big gut, but you're the kind of rock solid everywhere else. That's Broner. Yeah, that's fights. Broner. And we'll go into more detail about Broner and Pacquiao next week. Um, but I know that another fight that's getting ready to be announced is Terrence Crawford and Amir Khan. They're having a, strangely enough, they're having a press conference in London um, on the Smart. 15th. Try to get those fans no, interested in trying to come over. It's weird because it means, it's weird because if you're not announcing the fight to be in London, why is Terrence Crawford flying to London? He's the champ. Like, it's kind of weird to have that announcement in London. Um, from what I've gathered, there's two places, the Garden or Vegas, where the fight's going to be. Um, and they've been leaning towards Vegas a little bit more because of the tax situation but and because the Brits like to travel. <laughs> but they can travel to New York as well. So we'll see. But that fight is absolutely getting made. I believe the date is April, I want to say it's 23rd. It's, the week, it's like a week after the Joshua fight. We have know? way too many... Like, way too many fights, events, like, from my wedding at the last day of March through damn near June, I feel like it's just slammed with stuff. Yeah, I mean, between, you know, the rest of the world's ramping up, you have 
it, like the UFC and ESPN, that schedule is ridiculous. I don't, that, I don't know how I'm going to keep up with this. And then you have boxing. Um, Wilder Fury is being targeted for Vegas first half of 2019, um, that rematch. So, yeah, it, it's a loaded, loaded schedule. No, it's, it's going to be a crazy year. Um, one fight, and again, you said we'll talk about Pacquiao Broner next week when it's coming up. But one fight that Pacquiao during his uh, low media day said he looks forward to still is the Mayweather rematch. It's not happening. Dre, it's going to happen. It's, it's going to happen. You know what? I'm not going to say it's not happening. I You really don't want don't... it to happen. No, no one wants that to happen. <laughs> uh, no, I don't want it to happen. But then my other thing is, like, I talked to Leonard Ellerby yesterday, and I'm, talk, I'm writing a piece on this. And Ellerby was talking about, you know, what I asked Ellerby is, is, you know, the fact that Manny Pacquiao is chasing the ghost of Floyd Mayweather is probably going to give us the great new act, second or third act in Manny Pacquiao's career. Because he's motivated so much to fight Floyd Mayweather that he'll probably put on his best performances. However, with Manny Pacquiao being 40 and Floyd being 41, about to be 42, um, you know, the way that LB, like LB said, you never, like, he started opening up, he was like, you never know, Floyd could call me tomorrow and say he wants to fight. I just don't think that'll happen. He said, Floyd's happy in retirement, and he kind of leaned towards saying it, but not really, like, eh, nobody really wants to see that fight again. Like, they know it. Like the, I mean, I know you can drum up enough interest in it doing, you know, two point five million pay per view buys or whatever. But yeah, I think you say that, that like, like it's nothing. <laughs> You'd be like, yeah, like, like two point five. It's not nothing. But you know, if you looked at Floyd at that exhibition in his body, and you looked at him, um, he it's like he generally just doesn't really have an interest. I, a funny thing also came up. We asked Leonard about what exactly happened in Tokyo. For in Japan for that Ryzen event, and what the way he framed it was, they got there, they went to a couple places like to eat or whatever. Floyd showed up to the arena, beat up Tenson, grabbed the bag, and they took a private jet and left. <laughs> like Leonard was like, "We're not staying," and he was like, "No, I'm out." Like he was there for the bag, and that was it. He waste, he didn't want to waste time. Like he was there to make his money and left. And it tells me that Floyd's really – he's not really about entertaining fans anymore. Like I think if you – and that's why when I say I don't think it'll happen, if you throw enough money at Floyd Mayweather, anything can happen. But you got to throw a lot of money at Floyd Mayweather. A lot. I'm not – I mean it's hard to justify making that amount back because how, how do you pay him anything less than you paid him in the first fight? That, and that's my issue. I don't think there's enough – interest and i could be wrong it could change like if manny packer goes out in there and demolishes adrian broner knocks him silly maybe guys like skip bayless and the you know the the people who really don't know anything about boxing but talk about boxing on these talk shows can drum up enough interest but damn you think this man can make another five you think somebody's gonna pay him 500 million dollars again like it's florida yeah take the fight i just yeah. don't see that money being generated up front but I could be totally wrong. I feel like boxing's in a really healthy place right now where you don't need that fight. But I could be wrong. People, it, it's not even a fight. It's like an exhibition again. Like Pacquiao Mayweather, is, it doesn't live in the canon of boxing. Why not, though? Out. I mean, if, if Pacquiao legit beats Broner and he's looked good in his past couple fights, why wouldn't it be considered an actual like event? Like, more than just the spectacle. Well, that's like what you, I'm saying. you would have it's, to respect Mayweather for beating Pacquiao, a guy who's still top five, 
probably in the weight class. But what I'm saying is, like, it's an event, not really a fight, right? It's not like, like, if Manny Pacquiao, like, let's think about this for a second. I'm sitting with Sean Porter yesterday, mm-hmm. and Sean was like, I'm fighting, you know, he's talking about Ugas, and we kind of, we had like some side conversation. And, you know, he was like, Adrian Broner fighting Manny Pacquiao. I asked him what he thought I was going to win him. I could tell you exactly what he said because he's saving it for his show. But the one thing he kind of, I could tell was like, why is Adrian Broner getting this opportunity? Because the real fight is Manny Pacquiao versus Keith Thurman, Sean Porter, Errol Spence. Guys oh, who actually. You got to train a lot for those, though. <laughs> like. But, but, but here's this, this is what I'm saying. This is why I'm saying, you know, a fight with Mayweather is not really a boxing match. Because if it was, there'd be something on the line. And there's not really anything on the line if you fight Floyd Mayweather at this point. Like, there's no title on the line. It's not a ranking thing because Manny Pacquiao should be fighting a guy with a real title. And he hasn't. He's not going to. You know, he says he is. He might be forcing that position where he fights an Errol Spence. Maybe. Maybe if Mikey Garcia beats Errol Spence. Maybe it's Mikey Garcia and Manny Pacquiao. I don't know. That would look a but, lot better. I mean, you know, physically, that would look a lot better for Pacquiao. But I still don't see Mikey Garcia winning. But that, that'd be a, a good person to go after if he could. But those are boxing matches, is, is my point. Like, those are boxing matches for boxing fans. This is a spectacle and event for the mainstream. Mayweather Pacquiao, too, is any boxing fan worth their grain and salt is never going to say, I want to see that fight again. But if Pacquiao, again... Playing devil's advocate, if Pacquiao is beating legit people and legit contenders, maybe not the We're top saying, echelon, but legit I just gotta, fighters. I, I got to stop you there. Is Adrian Broner legit? Adrian Broner is a good B side. <laughs> like he's not tr- he's not trash. He, he's he's cool. He's, he's oh one and one in his last two fights. Like Jesse yeah. Vargas, he had a he, Jesse Vargas, he had a draw with. Yeah, that's that's not saying much, but it, he's all right. Still I Broner. Mean, but again, that's what I'm saying. It's like the spectacle. Like if, if Pacquiao beats Broner, the reason why Pacquiao is fighting Broner is because Broner is a low risk, high reward fight. Because Glass the reason is why low to be just crushing you right now. How dare you talk about Broner this way? He'd be wrong because Broner's <laughs> proven to he's given us nothing. He lost he got trucked by Sean Porter. He got a draw with Jesse Vargas, and he got pretty much ran over by a small Mikey Garcia. And there was really nothing that Adrian Broner's done to get a fight with Manny Pacquiao aside from run his mouth. So that's what I'm saying. Like, even the Pacquiao-Broner fight is spectacle. It's for, like, some WBA regular title. It means absolutely nothing. The only reason why this fight is happening is because Manny Pacquiao can get paid to fight Adrian Broner. That's a pay-per-view. This fight is on pay-per-view. Pay-per-view. And I've heard ticket sales aren't doing well either. But the whole point of it is... It's spectacle over substance. It's not a fight for Manny Pacquiao where you look at it and be like, man, this should be competitive. Broner hasn't done anything worthy of being competitive but run his mouth. Like, Sean, you can tell when I talk to Sean Porter, he's fighting Ugas to defend his title, his WBC title. He has the green belt. He's fighting Ugas, which a lot of people look at it as a tough fight. But shouldn't he be fighting Pacquiao? Shouldn't Pacquiao beat somebody like Sean Porter to deserve an opportunity at, like, a Mayweather? Not an Adrian Broner. That's the only reason why I say it's spectacle. No matter what Manny Pacquiao does against Adrian Broner, Adrian Broner hasn't won a fight in like two years. Yeah, it, it's the best fight he can make financially, especially because Broner's going to sell a fight, but also to be credible enough, but you're really not in any danger. Broner's not going to knock you out. 
So you get to show like your your elite skills and and be the hunter and look good enough to try to land the fight. The other guys, Sean might put him on his ass and that'd be the end of it. You don't want to get retired either before the Mayweather fight. That's 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 all I'm saying. Spectacle. Style over substance. That's what we're getting. I feel you on that. Um, We're going to take a quick break then. You guys stay stay with us. Quick one minute. We'll be back. We're going to talk a ton of wrestling when we come back. So stay tuned. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events. We're always writing articles. But when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting Casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's Casper.com backslash the corner promo code t-h-e-c-o-r-n-e-r terms and conditions apply all right we are back and we touched on it a little bit to open the show um, when we told you guys about our plans and starcast moving forward uh into the spring but now we can go a little more into it aew all elite wrestling is official they had their press conference in jacksonville uh tony is the i guess the president of it um, Tony Khan, I think president is the official title. The, he's the financial backer, I tell you that much. So Tony Khan, uh, the son of the Jaguars owner, and he also has a role in the Jaguars, a Jacksonville Jaguars franchise, is taking his little bit of dough and he's putting it into this. He's a huge wrestling fan, big mark for a long time. So he's obviously passionate about pro wrestling and sports entertainment and how it should look in bringing a quality product to the fans. He's putting his money behind it. Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks are the face of it, and the people are going to make that dream a reality. It seems like a perfect marriage between the two. The question is now, how successful can they be, and can they live up to the high expectations? Because I'm not hating on them. I actually like that they're doing this and you know want to see them succeed, so on and so forth. But people were hyping it up so much that I feel like it may fall short of those expectations. Yeah, I think um, All Elite Wrestling is in an interesting position because the announcement had so much hype behind it for diehard wrestling fans. And it's kind of like underground hip-hop fans who get really excited for an artist that they've looked forward to hearing, but he's only going to sell like 100,000 at tops. It's like a, a new Black Star album being announced. Yeah, like it caters to a certain demo. Um, they are, I mean, they're competition in the sense that they're going to be bidding for talent with the ROHs, the New Japans, and the WWEs of the world. So they, they, there is a legit competition there. And Tony Khan has deep pockets and is willing to spend money. So there's that. But there's so much to lay out over the next few months. Like the, this Double or Nothing event is kind of like their inaugural event. And it's like the only thing planned for the next year. Um, there are rumors about a TV deal. 
but there's nothing but the, there's rumors. They like their roster still needs to fill out. Yeah, the, the Turner like, rumors are are big because it kind of puts you on a WCW platform. Like it or yeah. not, like this is what people connect with you, and they're like, boom, they're WCW overnight. It's direct competition with Vince McMahon and blah, and that's still lofty because it, it takes a while. WCW wasn't built overnight. No, and and that's you know the the for it to be as hyped as it is. It's good that it's trending and people are talking about it, but yeah, we got they got a lot of work to do, man. Like, are they going to be a weekly? Are they going to be a monthly? Like, it, what is it? Are they going to do quarterly pay per views? Like, what is the plan for All Elite Wrestling? My concern has been because there is no partnership with New Japan, because there is no partnership with Ring of Honor. How is this talent going to be visible? That's my biggest concern. Like, I think I feel like the Young Bucks and Cody are putting themselves in a position where. They're going to be working behind the scenes to try to acquire talent. But, you know, without New Japan to have some of your guys front and center, it's hard to promote. Like, maybe they show up at PWG. I don't know. I, like, I don't know how you promote all the wrestling. Well, they have Double to do nothing. it weekly. They have to do it. They have to do it themselves. And I, I was I was one person originally that said, OK, they should sign the deal with New Japan and get the talent share and be like ROH. But again, they're putting in themselves in a position and holding themselves to a standard higher than an ROH. They are not an indie. So when you're not an indie, you, you honestly got to sign and steal talent. And you can't talent share. Well, I mean, you, you kind of still are an indie. Like, like, ROH has a TV deal. Impact has a TV deal. Like, but they're, they're above that. Like, they're, they are about to be in position. Like, they're not on TBS or TNT if that comes through. You know, like, it... it it changes the game. It, it really does if you get a TV deal and you have to do weekly episodes. You can't can't have those guys just be willy-nilly. You can't come in for three months and then leave for nine because you're in New Japan. Like, you got to steal talent. You have to have your own roster. You got to be WCW. You got to be TNA back in the day. Well, yeah, and, and that's that's the qualm. Like, I, I'm not a big fan of another weekly wrestling show. Like, right now, in my mind, it's like I don't have enough – I don't have the bandwidth. <laughs> keep up with another wrestling show so it's like yeah i'm trying do, i'm cramming nxt uk right now by the way i'm doing the same and it's like and it's hard like they do shoot two shows a week and i'm like i can't this is hard like this is hard to keep up with all this so like all elite wrestling i think the talent share would have worked in their favor in these preliminary stages because guys would have been busy and they could have been visible and then you could have promoted but it's like double nothing's gonna do well regardless but when things aren't special anymore when like, once upon a time when the WWE did just the big four, right? Then they started doing, like, In Your House. And those yeah. became special. But over the past, like, year, the reason why the WWE Network works so well is because people were not buying pay-per-views every month anymore because they're not special. They're just another version of Raw. Yeah, it's right? like a long like, Raw. <laughs> that was it. Right. So it's like with All Elite, like, if Double or Nothing was an every-month thing, is that as special? Like, I think part of the reason why we enjoy New Japan so much is it's not every month. And we don't watch the weeklies. And they've done a better job with telling stories with their wrestling than with their mouths. So we enjoy New Japan because of that. But if New Japan was on the States every week and had to tell stories with their mouths instead of their wrestling, wouldn't be the same kind of special. So I, I don't know. Like, I got to see who else they pick up. There's talent out there, but best believe, like, when this Fox deal kicks in for the WWE... They're spending big money to make sure guys just sit on the bench and don't go to all elite wrestling. Yeah, I mean, they're going to spend big money to keep their guys. And then NXT and Triple H and everyone, they're not slowing down with signing talent. 
So we, you see the roster and even the announcement so far, SoCal Uncensored um, for All Elite Wrestling. So it's SoCal Uncensored, which Christopher Daniels is like 45 years old. Um, so, okay, you got two old guys and whatever is Shooting Star or whatever the hell his name is. And then you have Janella, who's pretty much a character actor. And he's never, fun, yeah, Janelle's a really good pickup. That's that was smart. Um, no, That's he's a, he's a great like mid card guy. He he's cool. He's a character actor. I mean, I, that's no knock to him. He's a cool mid card guy. Um, you, which you need that in these companies. Uh, and he'll give you great TV programming. And then old man Jericho, who is an old ass man. I don't want to see him every night anyway. And he wouldn't. So it's like what okay he brings you a little bit of legitimacy, but not not what he used to. It's cool in New Japan because he's there once every six months. Like it, no one wants to see Jericho every week, even though the hype beasts of the wrestling world now claim they do, and it's like the biggest signing. And then you got the Young Bucks and Cody, who are you feuding against? Um, they they brought Pac in, which is cool. It used to be uh, Neville. In WWE, so that's cool. It gives you a heel. Adam Page is still there, but are you guys going to feud against each other? Or are you still going to really hold on to being the elite? What Are you going to do that when you have to put everything into a television product? There, there, there's so much going on, and I don't think the roster is that incredibly great yet. I think they get Omega, but even then, like, there's no Okadas. There's no Ishii's. Like, who is he putting on these five-star matches against? Cody every week? Nah, that's what I'm saying. It's so early for us to really speculate. It's kind of, it's kind of weird because they have the partnership with um. Damn, I forgot the Chinese wrestling company. OWE. I watched some of their ten- OWE, and uh, that's good because they have a partnership here with um, with the wrestling company in Vegas that we're gonna watch sometimes. So, th- what I'm saying, like they have, they have opportunities to build talent from the ground up over these next few months. It could be a year mm-hmm. before they really kick into a TV deal or anything like that. So they have, they have time if we. Like for us to speculate so hard, does the nobody any favors because we really don't know who they're gonna pick up. Like we really don't know who they're gonna sign, when they're gonna show up, what they're gonna do. But we'll. I mean, it's up to us to just kind of keep our eye on these things. I'm I'm glad that there's an alternative. I'm glad that Cody and the Bucks and the rest of the elite have created their own wrestling promotion. I'm I'm happy to see that. That's what everyone I, always wants to do, right? Like if if Tony Khan would have just dropped them crazy amount of money on our table said yo you want to do a wrestling promotion you guys can book it we wouldn't say no either no like you won't say no it's just we have a long way to go we have talent to fill we got i mean there's so much wrestling talent all across the globe where we'll have to see where guys go yeah and i you know i talked to joe Koff, who is the uh the coo of ring of honor this week and he kind of shed a little bit of light and he was just like you know it wasn't he, he basically said it wasn't us when it came to All Elite Wrestling and the New Japan partnership, and that the door is open if they want to do a talent share, but the timing wasn't right. I don't know exactly what the hell that means, <laughs> but it means that there could be an opportunity. Like, you know, guys, kind of, like, Skrull is signed through 2019. Uh, there's a story on uh, writing on that now. Skrull isn't Ring of Honor talent through 2019. So we'll see. Like, there's a lot of moving parts. They got Bandito, they got PCO. You don't know, like guys like Punishment Martinez weren't even thought about a year or two ago, and now he's in NXT. Yeah. So, I don't know what the hell he's doing in NXT. Oh, they're but, just working through character at the performance center. That's how it shows. But, 
I'm just saying, like, I don't, that guy, I don't, what, whatever, I wouldn't sign him. Anyway, but I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying that there's, there's talent to be found, there's talent to be cultivated and nurtured. We've got time. It's an uphill battle for all elite wrestling. I think we can all agree on that. But we'll see what we'll see what happens. I'm 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 curious. I'm very curious. I think Double or Nothing is going to be a great show. Oh, I think yeah. I think they can put on a great show. Uh, with whatever signings they have, limited or not limited, they have enough to bring in and have a good show. And looking forward to that. Um, on the WWE side of things, though, we it's pretty easy. We can run down WWE. I feel like more stuff is going down in NXT. Um, but main roster wise. Uh, Raw's just creating feuds for the Rumble. Nia Jax looks like she's regressing in the ring, though. We are talking about this in our group chat a little bit. I, there were several times where I thought she legit hurt Sasha in this match. Um, and Sasha pulled through, and now Sasha's going to go against Ronda at the Rumble, which is just going to be a good match. We, we know the ending, but Sasha's going to put on a show, and, and maybe if she does well enough, fans will get behind her again, and, and she'll get a push. Maybe it's not here, maybe it's SmackDown. It's some type of trade or something, but... Um, Sasha gets her opportunity to show up. Yeah. Um, I like the match in a vacuum, right? It's different because, like, when we talk, we're going to talk about NXT. Johnny Gargano versus Ricochet is announced two weeks before NXT. Yeah. And I'm thoroughly excited for that match. Oh, it's going right? to be match of the night. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I just know what those two can bring to the ring. I don't need a lot of talking. Just get to it. Whereas Ronda Rousey versus Sasha Banks feels like a feud that should be elongated. Like, it shouldn't be a one-off. It feels like Sasha should be in a position where she could have multiple matches with Ronda. But now it seems like she's a sacrificial lamb where it's basically, we need somebody to fill this spot who can give Ronda a good match and while we tread water until we get to WrestleMania. Pretty much. They just don't want to cool Ronda off in ring. Yeah, but I don't really want, like, personally, I don't want Sasha in that type of feud because it's just like you lose and then you lose a little lust there and then you go back to your tag thing and then you hopefully win the titles at WrestleMania, whatever. Um, but it's just, you know, I mean, it suffice to say that, you know, the, the main roster sucks. Like, that whole Nia Jax-Sasha Banks match was terrible. And not because of Sasha, it's because Nia. And it's like, what's happening to Nia is not helping any because... It would have been nice to see Nia and Becky Lynch settle their differences, but she's like the talent is they're moving they're moving talent around. It doesn't even make sense. Yeah. How good is Ronda though? Because she got one hell of a match out of Nia Jax. Well, she's probably aside from Kurt Angle, whose first year in pro wrestling was phenomenal. I think Ronda's like right on the cusp of that. Yeah, she's she's eclipsed Shamrock and some of those other guys we've seen coming. And Shamrock was extraordinarily underrated for his in-ring ability. Oh, he was. Like, definitely. He belongs in that convo of just jumping yeah. in, like, and, and you got it. Um, no, he definitely had. It's just, ultimately, the way the storytelling goes in WWE has been very strange. Like, you look at, like, the whole Oscar, putting the title on Oscar was a great thing. Shouldn't have took this, these weird twists and turns to get there. Carmella having her best match in that triple threat on SmackDown after being a joke for the past two months, is strange because why would you make her a joke and then have her have an excellent match? So what do you do with her after that? Yeah, I mean, you got to keep her around that. I I thought she should have won it as that match played out. I I thought there was no reason to have Becky win it. I I thought you, you know what, have Charlotte take the pin and you have like a roll-up situation. Um, You know, something crazy happens, her, you know, and Becky can't control themselves or something, get a double count out. I I, I don't care. I thought 
you know, Carmella deserved to win that. And her versus Asuka would have been a better match. Asuka finally beating her after she beat Asuka's ass. And Asuka couldn't get over that hump. Now Asuka... Weird hump to knock it over. I mean, it's true though, right? Like, there, there's a narrative there. Like, yo, I couldn't oh, beat you right. for so long for the title. Now I'm finally getting to beat you. And I thought they, they missed the ball on closing that chapter. And then, you know, just letting Becky and Charlotte do their thing in the Rumble. I, I kind of think what, and I, I said this on the chat, was I think they're trying to swerve us from Becky winning the Rumble. I think that's all they're trying. I think they got cold feet when they first announced Oscar versus Becky. And then people were like, ah, oh, she's not going to be in the Rumble. And I think they're, they're still working towards that. But I think by putting her in the title match, they're trying to swerve us instead of projecting too hard what's about to happen. Because if Becky's in the Rumble, she's going to win. That's how everybody's looking at it. It's either Becky or, or Charlotte. Every, the 29, 28 other competitors don't matter. <laughs> but now that you know, now that you have a feeling that she's not going to be in it, all eyes will be on Charlotte. And, you know, there's this expectation that she'll show up and clock, you know, Carmella and show up as number 30. Like, they're, they're trying to swerve us. If they swerve her so hard where she doesn't win the Royal Rumble, then she, she has to win through going the Elimination Chamber or something like that. But I just think this is all ultimately to kind of swerve us because we know where they're heading. Like, there's no way they're not heading towards Ronda versus Becky with Charlotte probably involved at WrestleMania, which should probably be the main event. There's no way they're avoiding that. It has they're to just be the main to, event at that point. Yeah, they're just trying to throw us off the course. You know, they're just trying to get us off the scent. Which I'm all right not, with. I guess in the grand scheme, I'm all right with. It doesn't do shit for Oscar though. No. When I feel like Oscar's, you know... I, I mean, Mel, Mellor's, yeah, Mellor's her feud. No, then, not then you a I mean, Mania pre-show, listen, it is what it is. Sometimes maybe she has to be on a pre-show. But her versus Mella and she can't get over the hump has to be a narrative sooner or later. Well, I could be a narrative next. Well, I don't know, man. Like, I mean, bottom they, line they is Oscar. no one else. <laughs> I, that's uh, what I'm saying. Like, somebody Ma- needs to come Mandy Rose is, is wearing a, a towel and flashing titty. Oh, God. Gotta love it's, it. Attitude era script coming back. Um, I mean, the, the only other thing is Oscar turns heel on Naomi. That's true. I wouldn't mind that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll see how that goes. I mean, I like the Daniel Bryan stuff to open up SmackDown. That was cool. Um, that was actually really good. I mean, I think Daniel Bryan's an excellent hero right now. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. A humanitarian, the humanitarian heel. Uh, I can't wait to buy some of this merch. It's probably going to be like all hemp. It's going to be nice <laughs> and, and and flowy. I can't can't wait to get that Daniel Bryan shirt. Um, no, but I, I think this is going to be. It has the makings of a classic match between him and AJ Styles as yeah. a blow-off match. I, I think they're going to give us a, a four-and-a-half, 4.75-star match. Like They're, they're going to go all out. I expect Daniel Bryan to win still um, just because of how I already have in my mind how the Royal Rumble is going to go. But um, even, even with that, I, I think it's going to be a great match, and these two are going to show out. So I like that feud still building. And it seems like every week SmackDown just has a random match at some point that's really damn good. And you're like, yo, why is this just on a random ass Tuesday? And, and this week it was a tag match. Yeah. And, and no, Rey Mysterio means- and Cien Almas who desperately need to feud with each other. Yeah. I mean, I, I just feel like Andrade is being handled wrong. I feel like they're really booking him like a mid-carder. Even though he's in, he's been in these matches, he's like... Good thing he got the pin. Like, that was necessary. Yeah. He needed a win. I mean, he's, um, like, upper mid-card right now. He's in, I mean, he's in a weird spot. Like, the, the, 
I t- I'll say this. He should be U.S. Off. champion. He should be the next U.S. champion. Yeah, I, I, I can agree with that. I think the thing with that's kind of good and bad about the Royal Rumble is that we legit the men's Royal Rumble. We legitimately have no idea who's going to win this thing. None. Like this is the first year in a while where you're just like, ah, Roman Reigns is going to win. Uh, <laughs> such and such is going to win. This is the first year where I'm like, I'm looking at it and I'm like, dog, I have no idea who's going to win this. Rollins can win it. Balor can win it. Anybody can win it. Mac entire can win it. Yeah, I mean, Drew Mac can win it. Any, just about any. I mean, yeah, this Samoa Joe might fuck around and win it. I mean, they're, uh, Kevin Owens coming back. Sami Zayn coming back. Look, I want Kevin Owens to come back as vicious Kevin Owens and get his comeuppance with Braun Strowman. I know that's not going to be a lot popular to a lot of people, but I feel like Kevin Owens is the one guy who has been an afterthought who, if he comes back with the vicious streak, is an instant main eventer and changes the dynamic of Raw. I agree. If he comes through and just, like, say Strowman beats Brock at the Rumble, and then Strowman's, like, celebrating, and he just catches the meanest pop-up powerbomb from Kevin Owens. Like, out of nowhere. That'd be so dope. And ultimately, Giants have limitations. Braun Strowman is reaching his limitations. Not his fault, just how he's being booked. All monsters and giants, they can only go so far. And then they have to lose to somebody small. I was about to say, they're, they're only built to make someone small look great. Sooner or right. later. Outside so, of Brock Lesnar. I, I don't know what that I mean, he's just so big. I, yeah, he's like an attraction type of guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, even, even a guy like Mustafa Ali, if he, could, if he won the Royal Rumble. Like, I know it's not the most popular thing, but Mustafa has a, a, a victory over Daniel Bryan. And, like you know, yeah. somebody, somebody has, somebody's title is going to be on early in the night and could steal the show. Mustafa Ali and Daniel Bryan could steal the show. It could. I mean, I, I think that's more of the, the match that main events, the pay-per-view right before Mania. That, like, what is it, Fastlane or Roadblock? I, I don't know what it is now. But I, I think that's probably more fitting for that. But I, I wouldn't be mad at it. Um, Daniel Bryan really doesn't have a feud after him and AJ kind of wrestled his blow-off match. So anything goes right there. I'll, I'll be all right with. Um, and again, you know, the, the women are still doing their thing outside of the Nia Jax thing. I'm still very into all of those storylines. So I don't, I don't think the product's been as bad as it was, to be honest. I don't think they've done wholesale changes like people expected. And that promise made it seem. Um, but I, I do think it's better. And I continue to like SmackDown. I like SmackDown before that. So I'm continuing yeah. to like SmackDown. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. It, it really comes down to the match quality. You'll be fine. The The way they set up these shows aren't going to change. The pacing's not going to change. We still need to get mad talking promos because that's just the product. It's just who do they push and when do they push them? And if they can get that right, we can eat everything else. So that's that's what I hope changes going forward. Um, NXT, though. NXT is heating up, and you touched on it earlier. We're starting to get the feuds kind of form in NXT. So with the feuds right now, it looks like we have uh, Aleister Black and Tommaso Ciampa going at it for the belt. It looks like it's coming down the pipeline. Um, yeah. Which should be a good match. I mean, both. I mean, I think Aleister Black's coming off of one of his better matches with Gargano. Yeah, absolutely. So him and Ciampa should be very physical. Um, it's about damn time he headlines a pay-per-view. So I, I really like that. Uh, Ricochet versus Gargano, like you said, that's going to be match of the weekend. Already, I, can just, I don't care who else is wrestling. That's match of the weekend. Yeah, I mean, 
the the fact that these two are getting in the ring with each other, and I, they've done it in like the indies before, but with this kind of spotlight, with the North American title on the line, with no real winner like already picked out, like Ricochet could retain, Gargano could win. Like I'm yeah. genuinely intrigued in this match, and I think it'll be I think it'll be great. Do you feel like the the talk of call ups and everything has calmed down? I kind of like I, that I, they announced like, hey, these are the six blocks of people that are coming up, right? So EC three. Um, the heavyweight dudes or whatever I forgot heavy machinery, uh, just they now six people. That was it. Lars Sullivan. They're like these people are coming up. That's it. Boom. And then we get back to NXT. It's like oh, not worry about call ups. They took up who they how they want up. We're good. This is gonna be the roster for a while. I think. I mean. If that's the route that they they choose to go for a while, obviously some guy's going to get sent up, you know, after WrestleMania. Sure. Um, maybe somebody gets sent up after the Royal Rumble. But I think calming down, like I said before, once you calm the talk down, then you start speculating on who's winning and losing NXT, and you can just enjoy the matches. Yeah. You know, and that's that's all I care about right now. I mean, watching this week, uh, Adam Cole versus EC3, and then watching how over Adam Cole is, and part of you says, man, that'd be great to see on the main roster. But I'm in, like, no rush to see the Undisputed Era on the main roster. No. I, I want to like, see stuff change first. I want to see this promise yeah. come to fruition, and then maybe. Because yeah, until like then, just, Lars Sullivan is still probably the guy who gets the main push. Because he's a Vince guy. Like, you look yeah. at him, he's like, oh, monster, big head, I'll take him. But, the, you know, the Undisputed Era, like, people are like, their time is up. They're going to the main roster. Now it's like then people aren't talking about that as much, and it's kind of fun to see them linger around because I still think Adam Cole has an NXT title running him. At oh, some I think point. so too. I, I think if Aleister Black, you know, gets his title back, which isn't a given, because Chop has been one hell of a champion. Um, but if Black gets his title back, he's had it now twice. He's had a sustained run. How do you not do Adam Cole versus Aleister Black at Mania? I mean, and there's other things that you look at, like you don't. The, the one thing I, I will say is that it was kind of weird when I watched Keith Lee and I was like, holy shit, I forgot about Keith Lee. Because now I feel like, well, you do have to make some room for some of these guys. Yeah. You do have to make room for Keith Lee. You know, Donovan Dijakovic, what the hell? But, you know, you <laughs> yeah, got to make room for... It's going to grow on me, I'm sure. I, I do like his look, though. Yeah, but it's like, you need, do need to make room for those guys to compete. But at the same time, like, a guy like Matt Riddle, you don't have... Like, a lot of people like, Matt Riddle should win the title at WrestleMania weekend. What? No. Slow they, down. They, yeah, and that's the point. Like, if NXT can slow down just a little bit, I think we can all enjoy these guys getting pushed. Yeah. Everybody has to be Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens got shot to the moon, but Kevin Owens was such an undeniable talent, and the main roster kind of needed him. And now you look at him, he's been in, like, this weird purgatory before he got hurt. So a guy like Matt Riddle... I like a slow burn with him. Adam Cole, I like the fact that he's not champion yet. I like the fact that these guys have stayed in NXT. Gargano's been there for, what, like two and a half years? Yeah, I'm two fine. and a half, three. I mean, shit, to put it in tag team work. He has the most NXT takeovers ever. Yeah, like, I enjoy, I enjoy that these guys aren't wrestling and people are speculating this is their last match. I enjoy the fact that NXT is a brand and not the minor leagues. Yeah, and I think it's going that way. Um, Undisputed Era tag team seems to be on a collision course with the War Raiders. That's just going to feel like a really dope ROH match. Yeah. I've seen this so much. (laughs) The chemistry between them is crazy. Yeah, it's just weird because I I don't care what anybody... I'm just not huge on the War Raiders. Like, they're cool, but I don't want to see the Undisputed Era lose these tag titles. I just don't. 
in some weird way, it, I wish they do the Freebird rule because I feel weird not having Bobby Fish and Kyle Riley. They tag should do the, yeah, they should do the Freebird rule. But it is what it is. Uh, it's just the undisputed era, like the everything from the music, which I didn't like at first, and it's grown on me, to the their posing, like they're just yeah, they're studs, and I just don't want to see them get wasted on the main roster, and I enjoy what they're doing on the NXT. The boom is so dope. Yeah, and then the Adam Cole baby, it's everything works. It, like that's one of those things, like that that had to be so organic because there's no way that Adam Cole was like, watch, this is gonna catch on when I say boom. Like <laughs> the Adam Cole baby was a thing, but then the boom just became it, its own thing. It's it, life of its own. Adam Cole is a guy who you look at and he doesn't look that spectacular. But when he moves and when you watch him wrestle and you watch his charisma, he's got that it factor. He has it. Yeah. No, you're, you're so, just magnetized by it. Like you can't yeah. look away. Um, and then something else I know you're super hype about. Bianca Belair versus Shayna Baszler. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've thought Belair has had it since she debuted on TV. You're like, no, she's going to be it. Yeah, like you look at Bianca Belair and you just kind of, like she's, you can tell she's green in some areas, but in a lot of things, like her athleticism is undeniable. And she's, she, if you watch her progression as a wrestler, like she's learned how to tell better stories in the ring with her face yeah. and her facial expressions. Um, she gets caught every now and then looking like a deer in the headlights when she's trying to figure out what the next move is going to be. But for the most part, um, she's been impressive. And the moveset really is ill. Yeah, she's got a great moveset. I am a little concerned because Shayna Baszler's a little green as well, and she's been used to working with people that carry her. Can Shayna Baszler carry a match with Bianca Belair? Can she call the match? Whoever the agent for this match is is going to have to book the hell out of this because they're both very raw. So it's not like, you know, when, when Shayna and Ember or, you know, like it just, it's not that, or uh, in Kyrie Sane, which, yeah, by the can. way, it's kind of weird that we have it. Shayna was not the leader in these matches. Who is leading this dance at NXT TakeOver? Well, Shayna, Could now this is this is the next evolution of it. But yeah, this is not a match you're going to let too much be called in the ring or on the fly. This is going to be like a choreographed dance. Yeah, I don't think you can let them call any of this. I wouldn't feel comfortable with it at all. Like, this match has the potential to suck. Put it like that. But <laughs> It, it can. Like, it could be a damn train wreck if these two aren't on the same page with each other. Yeah. But if they get it right, if the, whoever the booking agent is puts it all together properly, it could be a really fun match and a, few, a great feud. Um, and then it looks like Adam Cole is just wavering without a feud. Maybe he gets, like, a Velveteen Dream feud going. Maybe EC3's thing just continues. Um, Takeover without the Dream would be weird, though. Yeah, it would. It would. It just, But he's also got to kind of be in a match he can win. Um, yeah, that's very true. Um, coming off of the title loss, but look great. But coming off yeah. the title loss, kind of want him to pick up a W. And then it looks like all systems are go for Matt Riddle's takeover debut, though. Him and Cassius Ono and, and this feud really boiling over and getting us a full-fledged match to open takeover. And I, I've enjoyed everything about this with uh, Cassius Ono laying him out, with Cassius Ono getting knocked out, with him getting submitted, and then taking his vengeance on like. like Cassius knows his role, man. He he he's a he does good, it well. Yeah, he does it very well because he's still dangerous. Like he's he's not a guy that people look at and is like, ah, oh, he's a jobber. Like no. no, he'll just destroy other people. And then his feud with Matt Riddle, he's putting them over. They just Matt haven't given him a match to let him go. Yeah, it's true. It, it could be with this Riddle match because Riddle can go. These guys have worked together in these before. Uh, the wrestler formerly known as Chris Hero has always been known as a great talent. 
I'm I'm looking forward to this particular match and how over Matt Riddle is. Like if you had to, like Matt Riddle is not a creative wrestler in a bad way. He's a creative wrestler in a good way. Like he's yeah. a guy who the everybody the theme song is so great. The theme yeah. song and then oh, I was watching uh, you know, someone recorded his intro just on like one of these touring shows, and when you just see the it just says Riddle on the screen and then it turns and go bro, everyone lost it. As yeah. soon as like that's the opening of it, and then the beat drops, I was like, "Oh yeah, they got something special." Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a guy that it's obvious he's going to be a star. Yeah, he's he's going to get the Eddie Guerrero lowrider for whenever <laughs> he gets the title match. He's getting the Eddie Guerrero lowrider entrance. He just is. It, it's going to be it's going to be insane. He he has future stars just written all over him. But we thought this for a while since they stashed him and Evolve. We're like, no, yeah. he's going to be their guy. He just kind of has to learn a little bit more. Um, the last thing to talk about real quick is to run through NXT UK because it's their debut uh, takeover this weekend at Blackpool. I'm binging all of this stuff. I really like the roster, though. Um, I think it's cool. They put on some good matches. The The look, the aesthetic, every the feel of it looks different. It feels like progress in ICW. Um, yeah. Just with, it, you know, the, the talent and the booking and the money. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how much goes into that. Do they have big entrances? Like, what? how special does it feel? But I expect Triple H to go all out for this first one. Um, and the matches are good. So Travis Banks versus Jordan Devlin. Jordan Devlin, I know he probably hates it, but he's, he's the mini Finn Balor. Yeah. Similar movesets. Can't help it. No, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a great match, I think. Um, that's going to be fun. Devlin can go. Uh, Dave Mastiff versus Eddie Dennis. Oh, We'll, we'll see. That's my toss-up match. But it's no DQ. How bad can a no DQ match be? Um, yeah, I think these guys have been feuding for a few weeks. So yeah. why not? So it's that should be cool. Uh, Rhea Ripley versus Tony Storm. Going to be a great women's match. Yeah, I've, I've liked Rhea Ripley as champion. Yeah, uh, Tony Storm, though, the underdog winner of the Mae Young Classic. Uh, I think she loses, but I, it's a cool story. Um, we have Mustache Mountain. Going for the tag team belts, the inaugural tag team belts against Grizz, Grizzled Young Veterans, um, which is interesting because I didn't know who the guys were. Uh, I thought Flash Morgan and uh, Mark Andrews kind of had the, the open track to get in, but it's cool to see them win and just learn more about a different set of guys. So I, yeah, and I think, think that's cool. I also think it's kind of a – everybody expects Mustache Mountain to win. I kind of don't. Like – Maybe you go with the, the new young talent. Yeah. Um, I or, think Mustache uh, Mountain wins because Waiting in the Wings is uh, the other Coffee Brother and um, and what's his face? I forgot his name. Uh, the other big dude. It's the two Coffee Boys and uh, big guy, he's hairy. Nonetheless, <laughs> that dude. Uh, no, but you'll see him at the pay-per-view. They're kind of like the click, the evil heel faction. And I expect them to challenge for the tag titles, which means the good guys have to win the tag titles. But you might nonetheless, it's going to be one hell of a match, I think. Um, and we know what Trent Seven and Tyler Bate are capable of. Putting on yeah. super dope matches against uh, Undisputed Era already. And then main event, Pete Dunn versus Joe Coffey. 600 days of champion. And they keep promoing it. This is really weird to me. Because this is the match that I really don't care about. What? Joe and the reason why I say it is I don't feel like Joe Coffey's like main event material. 
against Pete Dunne. Like, I know what they've been working towards and having coffee win every week. But you look at this match and you're like, it could be, I mean, I could be totally wrong. It could be a great match. But I feel like if this is not a vehicle to debut Walter, I'm not sure what we're doing here. You know, I feel like it is a vehicle to debut Walter. Not taking away from the match. I think the match is going to be great. I think Pete Dunne pulls it out. And I haven't seen Pete Dunne have a bad match yet. So I'm not going to discount him on that. But I think he gets wrecked by Walter at the end. Like, like I don't think anybody thinks Joe Coffey's winning this match. No. I think that's my problem with it. I think my problem with it is I look at it and I was like, yeah, Joe Coffey's not going to beat him. Walter, if he's debuting, Walter's the guy to beat Pete Dunne. And he's your legitimate murderous heel guy. He's a giant. He smacks the shit out of people. Like, he does a lot of things that are impressive. Joe Coffey does not. And no, I don't think anybody thinks Coffey's taking the title off of Pete Dunne. No, and that's my so. only issue with this match. That's my issue with the match. It's just, that's, so if Walter doesn't show up and Pete Dunne just goes over, I'm like, oh, well, what are we doing here? Why did we do this? So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how that plays out. But that's the NXT UK card. We'll review all of these things next week. Uh, next week, we actually get combat sports back. So we'll have boxing to talk about. Um, we'll have UFC fights to talk about. They're going to debut on ESPN. So that's going to be cool. So a ton of stuff to talk about next week. And I'm sure hip-hop or something else is going to give us some shenanigans to talk about in the beginning of the episode. We want to once again thank you guys for signing up for Patreon. If you haven't done so already, make sure you do it. Great exclusive content there. You don't want to miss out on those shows. Um, fun mini-episodes. They're a little, a little bit different. They're more like what you get in the beginning of our episodes. So more well rounded out talk, not just combat sports. It's more about like the life aspects and the social media and all that good stuff. So sign up for our Patreon page. Follow us on social media at the corner LSN on all platforms. Me, Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale. Outside of that, though, it's been a great show. Thank you guys. And uh, we're looking forward to a really busy year and a big year for the Corner Podcast. Until next week, though, we're out. Peace. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League Podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.